You are listening to Pastor Mike Greiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled Male and Female, recorded on September 24th, 2017. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. It is our habit at Harvest Community Church to preach through books of the Bible. It's not because we can't come up with creative ideas on what to preach. It's because we trust that God's Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's because we believe Jesus when He said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one bit of my Word will pass away. This particular departure from just preaching through books to go through a series is not just to change things up. Something We live in a very serious time. Uh, lots of change has happened, is happening, and I believe in your lifetime you'll see things uh, never imagined and probably many things you wish never occurred. Um, the, the issue of male and female being up for grabs and all the implications of that uh, I think is a sign of a society uh, in decadence and nearing... Um, the end of its ability to remain stable. And since these ideas aren't confined to our nation, it, helped, it, it caused me to wonder what is God's plan for Western Europe and the entire world. Um, these are not small things to deal with man and woman. It is the ultimate rebellion against God to change his design. It's, it's the highest expression. To, and, I, and I mean, as we as a, as a society embrace uh, um, really what's become a carnival of humanity, uh, of insanity, uh, and, and accepted as normal. Uh, we are showing God our fist. And, and I start sa- saying that to, to give the proper weight to what we're doing. You've begun to meet in your community groups, I hope, and to talk about these things. And I hope you can see already that they pull you away from the way the world thinks. And I, I, we want to be as, I want to be personally as thorough and as gentle and as, as answering every question as I can, but I, I want to make no mistake, um, we're not talking about a smorgasbord where you get to pick what truths you want and what truths you don't want. To be a Christian, I, I know this, that culturally what I'm about to say doesn't matter in many Christian churches, but... I'm telling you, I don't care what any Christian church around is doing. I'm telling you, from the time of Jesus to the time of today, to be a Christian is to assume from the get-go that your thinking is wrong. And his thinking is right. And you must change the entire time you follow him. This is why Paul said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In my life, I can testify by experience, my brain was not thinking correctly when I came to Christ. In fact, one thing I'm certain of is when Christ told me he was my Savior, and I agreed, I finally got to the center of truth. After that, and still to this day, it is a process of constantly learning to think like he thinks, to have the mind of Christ. It would be nice if it was an instant zap, but it isn't. Times do not change this. 
Just because our society is completely at war with our God does not give us permission within the church to keep thinking the wrong way. I say that because I sometimes get the impression from talking to others, they think, well, the preacher has to believe this stuff, but since I live in the real world, I can believe whatever I want. Well, I live in the real world. (laughs) And all of us submit to God. And that's good. Because God has our best interest in mind. We are, uh, this is our third message. And, and we are taking it purposely slow. Slowly. Taking it slowly. Is that an adverb? Um, today, male and female. So we're going to be in Genesis again. 1, 26 and 27. 2, 7 and 9. Verse 15 of chapter 2 and verse 18 and 25 of chapter 2. Um, the ones cut out are not because they're not important. It's because I'm trying to focus on, on uh, just male and female. So starting in Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bible, uh, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And as a, as a parenthetical remark, um, hearkening back to last week when we talked a little bit about what's it mean to be human in our relationship to the earth, someone this week sent me uh, a, a news story, which uh, I went and found the link and found the original people who say these things. These people are echosexual now. Instead of relating to the earth as if we have dominion over it, they're marrying the earth. And I won't try to get into any details, but like I said, we're living in a carnival. It's, it's like a clown show, what we call our world today. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord formed the man of dust. The reason we're jumping to chapter 2 is God gives us more detail in chapter 2 of what he gave us in a summary statement in chapter 1. He tells us more about making them male and female. Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So he had a job. He was employed. Um, Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone, I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken 
out of man. This is a joyous moment in Adam's life. He gets a woman, and she's disrobed. I'm not kidding. I mean, we don't think of those things. This is pre, pre-sin, so there's no shame here. And um, he's, he's excited here. He says, this is, yes, at last. I've been looking at all these animals, and finally something for me. And therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the woman were both naked and were not ashamed I want to make uh, some observations all about what it means to be male and female. There may be a lot of interesting things in there you wish we'd talk about, and maybe another time. Six observations. I just counted them up just now. One, the addition of Eve, by the way, she's just called woman right here, but her name is Eve. Uh, The addition of Eve was an improvement of Adam's condition. He, he, he didn't go backwards by getting a woman. Adam had known God, and he had been made in the image of God. And you'd think that would be enough. But it's not, because God made him a human. He didn't make him a God. He, he had God, but he had no human. God wanted Adam to have one that was like him, but not like him because he didn't make another male. God wanted a female for Adam. Then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Well, why is he alone? Because God made him alone. In other words, God made him with an insufficiency. You're not sufficient the way I made you. Well, when are you going to finish me? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, here, here's what I'm going to do. I will make a helper that is fit for you. The sufficiency he needed was someone else, was another human outside him. Very social answer to his insufficiency. You know, he's not like uh, Steve Martin and the jerk saying, I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. I just need this lamp and this ashtray and this thermos. And, and then he says, then this dog. And the dog growls at him and goes, I don't need that dog. But he had no, he thought a man, can live, a man cannot live alone. He needs a human. So God brought an animal parade in front of him. The animals he'd already made. He said, let's, let's have a zoo day. <laughs> All right? Start, what do you think that is? And what do you think that is? And what do you call that? And, uh, you know, we, we have the arrogance of modernity thinking that we're smarter than him because we know about combustible engines and all this. But remember, he had no sin. His brain worked better than any brain there ever was. There was nothing in the way. And I'm sure there was no problem for him creating names that went with all those creatures. It was probably a good time. But as the animal parade came up, he realized they got male, they got female, I got no one fit for me. And I, and I can't help but think that God, that's what God wanted. I want you to see your need. Now, let's take a nap. So nap time. And then it, it, it says, Adam was made from the dust of the ground. All the animals were made from the dust of the ground. But woman was not made from the dust of the ground. <laughs> she was taken from his side. Uh, translation's rib, literally it's side. Could have been his rib. Could have been, it doesn't matter. She's taken from his side. Why 
did God make Adam from his side? Why didn't he make, or Eve from his side, why didn't he make Eve from the dust like he made everything else? He could have done it. She's made of the same chemicals as we are as men. Well, we're not, we're not, we don't have a mystery here. The answer is in the text. Adam looked at her and said, she is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It communicated to him that she is like me. It communicated to him that she's what we would call human. It, it mattered to him that she came from him. Some, and, and, and I have to take a, just a moment to, to uh, put down a false belief that's held by some Christians. Some wrongly claim that Adam was both male and female and that his femininity was pulled from him and his feminine parts were pulled from him or whatever. Like he was some sort of hermaphrodite. and That's just silly. Let's go farther. It's stupid. It's contrary to the word of God. He was a man. That's what the Bible says. He was made a male. It never says he was made a male and a female and the female was pulled out. And you say, well, what happened when they took when God took from his side, what did he take out? Something from his side. God made Adam out of dust. He wanted Adam to know, you're connected to the planet I made. Because he could have made him out from scratch. But he wanted him to know, you're made out of the same stuff this earth. The only difference is I breathe, breathe my spirit into you and you have my image. Otherwise, you're an animal. But the woman, he had a different plan. I want you to know you came from him. But he formed, in other words, femininity did not come out of Adam. Just like Adam's masculinity didn't come from dirt. It's just the material he used. Uh, A note on the word helper. He says, I will make a helper fit for her. This helper points to function and not value, of course. Uh, A a helper doesn't mean inferior. It, it, It... It just doesn't. It can, but it depends on the context you use the word, correct? God is man's helper at times. Uh, A dad can help a child. It doesn't mean the child's in charge of the dad or anything. Um, This refers to function, not value. Helper in this context implies Adam's leadership. He was made with a mission. I'm making you with a mission. You care for this. You keep this. Now get started. Name the animals. And by the way, you're going to need some help. Well, what's she going to help him with? His mission. And God is glorified in this moment by man and woman working together in a complementary fashion. So, this was an improvement of Adam's condition to have a woman. Second, male-dominant language is not necessarily wrong, nor is it harmful to women in and of itself. I'm not saying all language has to be in the masculine, but I'm saying we are a nation that have been manipulated by people with whatever agendas they have to divide from one another, to be different from one another, to have victims. And one of the biggest and ugliest divisions is we have been told that women are victims of men by nature. And they need protection from them. And we've been told that language is one of the ways man uses to keep a sister down. That to use a masculine pronoun is is rude and insensitive.
male-dominant language, it said victimizes women. When you say chairman of the board, you're telling little girls everywhere you can never grow up to be the, the, the person in the head of the board. Which, by the way, you're not. But they say that you are. And, and uh, you women need to be educated on how victimized you are so you can be as offended as possible. The language we have here in the Bible, she shall be called woman, Adam said. Adam takes a look, he goes, whoa, hot dog, good day. I mean, I just woke up and this is the best morning I've ever had. Bone in my bone, flesh in my flesh, I'm tired of looking at rhinos and... You're awesome. <laughs> you know he's loving her. And, um, and she's loving him. And, and then he says, you know what, God? She shall be called woman. And then he says, why? Because she was taken out of man. Now you say, well, that's an English translation. What's the Hebrew? The Hebrew is, she shall be called Isha. Why? Because she was taken out of Ish. It's male-dominant language. The word woman is a male-dominant word, which is why many feminists change the spelling to W-Y-M-Y-N and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with male-dominant language. Adam is without sin here. Nothing in him is trying to dominate this woman. He'd have that trouble a little while after this when he falls into sin. Then he'll be tempted to be a bully and a jerk. But right now, he has no sin. He's connecting male and female through language. It's a beautiful thing. So if you ever hear me not using politically correct pronouns, I don't do it to be rude. I don't do it because I don't know what the social standard is now. I do it because I refuse to be re-educated in a way that divides me from women and women from me and makes them victims when I'm not doing anything that's sinful. Three, an ongoing pattern of marriage was established when there were only two human beings, just two. All the feminist theories and evolutionary theories about how marriage came about to, you know, for whatever reason, they're all wild, And none of them are proven or provable, and none of them are true. Marriage was instituted when there were two humans, a male and a female. Today, this, to exalt family based on a male-female marriage, to exalt this is to be ridiculed. Oh, do you want to go back to the time of Beaver Cleaver and Father Knows Best? Well, I don't want to go back to that time, but I would say that looks like a much better structure for raising children than the kind of crud we're coming up with today, yeah. Well, you're being insensitive to the non-traditional. You're prehistoric, you're outdated. This is what we're told. Again, I'm not condemning the world for being lost. What I'm saying, Christian, is you live in a very perilous world and you are not supposed to go down the road they go down. The idea, the feminist idea is to destroy the family. 
Now, if any of you think you're a feminist and think I just offended you because I had misrepresented you, I did not. If you think if you're a feminist and I just misrepresented that, you are an uneducated person on your own label. Read them. I have. The reason the family needs to be destroyed is because it's the instrument which mostly victimizes women. They don't have power there. They're stuck with children because they are stuck with them coming out of their body, which is why they have to have the right to abort. And even just staying in that, taking his name, being his wife, living in his house, it's oppressive and needs to be destroyed. Lesbianism is philosophically the most perfectly way a woman can be complete because she can be complete in all ways without a man. These are, this is basic feminism 101 from the 60s and 70s. But what the world says is a tool of oppression or something that could be messed with like Plato, right? Because we have a feminist world. Whether people say they're a feminist or not, they think like them. Well, we can have men marry men and women marry women or whatever. Or no one has to get married. We can just have babies. Or we can just have surrogate babies. Or God says this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Uh, do, do you go too fast over that? Because you've heard it so many times at weddings. There are two people. There are no mothers and fathers yet, except the two potential ones right there. And yet, a pattern of future generations is laid out by God. Men, take a wife. Raise kids. It doesn't say raise kids. Of course it does. Because you're going to leave your father and mother. How else do you do that? Men, take wife. Raise kids. Kids, grow up. Leave. Women, take husband. Men, take wife. Wash, rinse, repeat. This is how society is built. This is God ordained pattern for the human race. It does not mean, by the way, that you're incomplete if you live a single life. But it does mean that if we follow this pattern, we won't die off in one generation and we'll have healthier children. This is what God wants. Fourth, two becoming one is confined to the unique situation of male and female in marriage. Leaving a father and and mother to join a woman is the union known as marriage. People, we, that's what it is, all right? Okay, that's what it is. If I, if I spill ink all over one of my wife's dresses, it's called an ink spot. And you can say, well, over there... Somebody spilled spaghetti sauce on their wife's dress. That's an ink spot. No. No, it's not. And you say, boy, that's insane, Mike. That's silly. You're just playing with words. That's what you're doing when you put two men together and say it's a marriage. It's not about freedom. You can do anything you want. Call it, okay, the spaghetti's an ink spot. If that makes you happy, I'll call it ink. But in my head, I know a rose by any other name, it's still spaghetti. 
Yeah, my illustrations have to do with staining clothing because it's something I'm very familiar with. I never wear white, and there's a reason. Never wear white. You can, you can put two women together. You can put a woman and a dog together. You can call it anything you want. Jesus confirms this pattern. Have you not read? So Jesus, this is thousands of years after Moses wrote that. Jesus writes this. Have you not read? Meaning, where would you read it? Genesis. He says, haven't you read the Bible? Jesus is saying to people, haven't you read the Bible? He who created them from the beginning made them male and female. Oh, angels should be singing now. Jesus is telling you. And he said, because he made them male and female, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother hold fast to his wife. Because they have different plumbing and different souls. They're man, woman. Because of that, they should marry. And the two shall become one. They're no longer two but one. By the way, if you're thinking this is just sex, when you hear two become one, you're missing it. You're missing the whole thing. These aren't animals. These are humans. They are one. That can only be spiritual. Because physically, I have a wife. We haven't become Siamese twins. I can move. She's not there. She's, you know, her brain doesn't operate my arm. I just thought of honeydew lists and about four jokes. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell one of them. It's my wife's awesome. So how are we one? We're spiritually one. Jesus identifies the creation of male and female as the basis of marriage. And, and, and then he says, what God has joined, let not man separate. Well, God wasn't at my wedding. I mean, he was, but he was invisible. I didn't have him on the guest list. Oh, you guys are judging me. How many of you sent an invitation to God? Bunch of hypocrites. Just kidding. But you know what I mean. He was there, but he's there in the same way he's everywhere. According to Jesus, he was there tying the knot. He doesn't tie the knot for men and men and women and women. I don't say these things to make people who suffer with same-sex attraction, and yes, I call it suffering. I don't say it to make them feel isolated. In fact, I want them around because such suffering is common to man. A lot of people suffer with that throughout the ages. That's fine. There's nothing. God loves you, and you should be in this church. I'm saying because we have an entire society, regardless of who they're sexually attracted to, who ordains things that aren't that don't exist and act like it's normal. And I'm not, again, I can't fix society, but the church can't compromise here. Fifth, the binary nature, and this may be getting too much into the weeds for some of you, but it's the language of today, so we have to talk about it. The binary nature of sexuality is inherent in creation itself. The idea that, that I'm hitting here is um, some object that gender is completely cultural. Male and female could be biological, but gender is cultural. So masculine and feminine is completely a cultural uh, construct. And, and to say it's masculine and feminine or male and female is binary. That's two choices and there, there's a spectrum here. And you can be anywhere on that spectrum. I could be 80% male and 20% female. I say, what am I, a pit fan? <laughs> oh. Oh, you're right. That's like 
If a guy's a pit fan, he's at least 40% female. <laughs> this is where I get in trouble. And what would be wrong? Those of you who are going, oh, what's wrong with that? Don't you hate women? Got you again. But the, <laughs> that a woman could be 60% female and 40% male, this is insanity. If you're a woman, you're a woman, you're a man, you're a man, you're a male, you're a male, you're a female, you're a female. It's just that. And if you're a woman, I know a lot of women. I love women. If I could choose a society of men versus a society of women, I would always choose women. If you could only have one or the other. But one thing I know is <laughs> you're better off than being a man. Just trust me on that. I don't think my wife or my daughter say, gee, I wish I was a man. I think they feel like they've dodged a bullet. And, and I guess men think the same, and that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to like what you are. Masculinity and femininity arise from maleness and femaleness, not from society. Yes, society's definitions of, of how you express masculinity, how you express femininity, changes from culture to culture. But the fact that they all recognize what is male and what is female is the norm. You have to, to, to foist on a society some really strange philosophies to get them to cast that aside, and that's what you're living with now. It's rebellion against God. Six, before the fall, marriage remained harmonious. Just want to point that out. Eve wasn't offended that she was called Isha. Adam accepted his wife just like she was and thought she was lovely and was really good to her. No one had any sexual hang-ups. There was no arguing. I think all that's really summed up. That's what's behind this. And the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. By naked and not ashamed, don't think about the sexual aspect, although it comes to our brains. But think no shame means no guilt. They, they don't know sin. They don't know it as an intellectual concept, and they don't know it by experience. You know it as both. And so you and I feel shame. They felt none. Um, neither had to hide from the other. Sin would soon enter and bring trials and disharmony to every part of their lives. And that, when we look at the template here, we're all off. Everyone here is skewed. <laughs> Everyone here is off. Uh, in other words, you, you desire things you ought not desire. There's a reason why God put into the Ten Commandments um, a very male-oriented command, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Now, it's not that wives don't, are allowed to covet their neighbor's husband. They're not. It, it's, a, it's a reciprocal command. It goes both ways. But men are visually activated. <laughs> you, you want to see the victimization of how this happens? Women are being told now, uh, you need to be able to have as much promiscuous sex as men have because it's powerful. The powerful woman is Miley Cyrus because she's as promiscuous as, a, as men, and, and which, by the way, is an insult to all men to say we're all running around like dogs in heat, but that's what they say. And, but women are still women. And like it or not, men have the problem of being able to have sex and enjoy it and have no commitment at all. Now, women have to fake like they do. 
And so now we got this weirdness on college campuses. Men and women are getting drunk, sleeping together, and it's not the men saying, we've got to find some sort of rules to make sure I said yes when I was sober, is it? How come it's only the women? Because they're still women. They're not going to be men. It's not powerful to sleep with a bunch of people. It's called sin. And the men in this room want to do it. At least at one point in your life, you did. You desire wrong things. You desire other people. It's in you to do it on a visual. Boom. And then to forget about it. And then boom. And then forget about it. That's how you are. Because you're fallen and you're sinful. Sin messes all up. Sin gets in the works. I'm not going to go to where how women have fallen because I'm not a woman. I don't know what goes on inside your brains. and I've been studying it a lot for 30 years. But I want to make this point, lest you think some transvestite out there is a worse sinner than you. We're all messed up. Sin messes up everything, and that's really the problem. One of the sins that still shocks me that the church acts like is nothing is premarital sex. I cannot tell you how many... You know, if you come in off the streets and you don't know Jesus yet, like a lot of people do at Harvest, I expect that you're having sex with somebody. Not that you should, but that's just what the world does. I expect when you learn about Jesus, you'll clean up your act and marry or stop doing that. I'm shocked at how many Christians act like it's nothing. I can't preach about it enough to stop it. I've tried. <laughs> but that would mean I preach about it every week and, and just have this sense of failure all the time. Sin will soon enter into Adam and Eve's world and destroy the harmony. There's no problem with man and woman, male and female, or male leadership. The problem is sin. Let me conclude with this. Marriage remains forever. Human marriage ends at death. That's not romantic, I know. It's not romantic. (laughs) Till death do us part. And in fact, in the new world, Jesus makes this very clear. He says, you won't even be getting married or being given in marriage when, when I bring you the new earth and the new heavens. Marriage is just for you guys for this time for now. So then how can I say that their marriage remains forever? Because Ephesians 5 quotes our text again. Here's Paul. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting the same Genesis verse, but look at this amazing interpretation. He says, this mystery is profound. I'm saying that refers to Christ in the church. You see, up till now, we all thought, well, that refers to Adam and Eve. And that refers to the pattern of all men who want to marry a woman, all women who want to marry a man. That's what that refers to. And he's saying, you think that's what it refers to, but from the beginning, the whole reason marriage was invented was to foreshadow the eternal relationship of Jesus Christ and the people he saves. And that's not a figurative marriage, that's the real marriage. Your marriage is real too if you're married, but it's temporary. It's here and it's gone. This marriage is the real one. Marriage was given to the human race as a gift to be a representation of the eternal state of Jesus in the church. And God, when he made us in his image, male and female, it's not arbitrary. There's some way that male and female are what's necessary for marriage. In some way, that reflects God and his love for us. 
When Jesus came, left heaven, right? You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the ground to the cross to wherever to came or I don't know how that song goes. When he left heaven for earth, the song that comes to my mind, Mr. Froggy went a courting. He went a courting. He went a courting. He went to get a wife. And he came here. <laughs> and he found his bride. And he cleansed her of sin. And he made her beautiful. His death on a cross was death motivated by the love of a groom for a bride. And men, tell me you would love your wife enough to die for her, to rescue her. He's not going to leave her here in this mess either. She's, he's going to come back for her. This is the picture we get in the Bible. So human marriage is not, when they call it sacred in the ceremonies, it's holy because of that. That's why divorce is to be avoided if at all possible. This is why babies should not be made purposely outside of marriage. It's holy. It reflects God. It's not just about what works good for us. This is why our mission at Harvest is not frivolous. To, to, to try to put our efforts together to increase the health and size of God's church is to be working towards the very thing that the groom is working towards, getting ourselves ready for the wedding. See, the bride is the church. And if, you're, if that doesn't make sense to you because you're newer to Harvest, the, this is church universal, meaning every single person who believes in Jesus Christ as Savior and is saved, is a part of the church. That's the bride. He's the groom. Read the Bible. It ends in a wedding. It ends in a wedding. This is how God made the machine. Period. The world you live in, the people are all victims. They are victimized by Satan. Believing lies that cause them to blaspheme God and say they have the liberty to do so. I am whatever I want to be. No, you're not. And you're, you're messing with something you do not want to mess with. That should cause us to have compassion on the world, not judgment. But I'll tell you what, the fact that it's, it's, it's got to be, we can't think like that anymore. You can't go to community group and say, well, I know they say that, but I just don't want to go there. Then question whether you've ever met Jesus. It's only those willing to deny themselves that know Jesus. Your brain must change. Mankind is foolish to trifle with the definition of marriage. He's messing with more than he knows. You don't mess with male and female. We are more than biology. We are spiritual beings. It reflects a spiritual reality. There is the thought masculinity goes away and femininity goes away when our, in the new world because we're not going to be getting married so we're all going to be eunuchs or something. And that's just, I don't know what I'm going to be like in the new world, but I know it, it's hooked forever with masculinity and my wife with femininity. femininity Feminine virtue. But my wife and I are the smallest bit of it. We're like the smell 
the fragrance of masculinity and femininity. The real thing is bigger than that. God presents himself to us in the masculine. That's for a reason. And he presents us as the church in the feminine. C.S. Lewis, I guess he saw this coming. He said this, with the church, we're farther in. This is his quote. For there we're dealing with male and female, not merely as facts of nature, but as the live and awful shadows of realities utterly beyond our control and largely beyond our direct knowledge. Or rather, we're not dealing with them, but we'll shoot, shall soon learn if we meddle. They're dealing with us. The, the point <laughs> here is see God. Look at God. He presents a much different view of all things than the world you live in. And he does not say, look, he does not, the goal of the Christian is to change your mind to be like the mind of Christ. It is not, as so many churches seek to do throughout the ages on every issue, including this one of ultimate rebellion, is to find a way to take what the world thinks and make a nice little compromise or melding together. Okay, okay, let's just think this through. Maybe the church has been a little bit wrong, a little bit cruel on these issues, and maybe we can... No! We are all subject to the leadership of God. We're not looking for a way to meld God's way with ours. That includes with those of you who are sleeping with someone you shouldn't be. And if you're not married to them, by the way, you shouldn't be. You just try to meld together. Meld it together. There's got to be a way me and God can work this out together. No. God is a loving Father. And everything we sing about grace and talk about how forgiveness is free is true to the billionth, quadrillionth, zillionth power. Those are even words. But he begins with surrender, with commitment, with giving your all on every issue. If this issue is bugging you, let it be a, a bell that wakes you up. And realize the issue isn't the issue. The issue is whether you trust God. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.